Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we are going to cover a new topic and drink a new bottle of wine in the meantime. Exactly. And this week we are talking about fake news and... COVID-19. COVID and we're really excited because this week we have World Health Organization consultant and public health expert, Simone St. Clair with us. I know. To school us. She is working very hard with the World Health Organization to fight misinformation about COVID-19, which is a big task. We're going to talk about how to discern fake news from real news, how we can protect ourselves and our friends, and how to advocate effectively on social media. Yeah, because social media is a big spread of um, misinformation. Exactly. But Natalie, before we get into it, we got to drink wine, wine as we always do. So what are we drinking today? Today, we are drinking the Beetlejuice... Ooh. 2019 rosé, and this is specifically of the Pinot Noir. Okay, but it's not spelled like, it's spelled like Betelgeuse. (laughs) Yes, because this spelling of it is actually off of Orion the Constellation. There's like one star called Betelgeuse. Oh, I did not know that. And it's spelled like this. It's spelled real weird. Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse. (laughs) And uh, it's a a nice little crisp rosé, so you know everybody's favorite part. Give him that pour. There mm. we go. There we go. Mm. Cheers to Betelgeuse. <laughs> to Betelgeuse. <laughs> Spreading misinformation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's just get into it with her, yeah? Hello, Simone. Hello. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. A real a- expert. A real expert and okay. someone, I feel like we get so much information from people that probably don't know what they're talking about. And you definitely do. Um, But I feel like I'm not being genuine to (laughs) our audience that I actually, we know each other like very, very well. We were college roommates. Sophomore year, right? Sophomore year. I remember your guys' little apartment. Yeah. Yeah. We went through a lot together, a lot of breakups and being... Um, We have a lot of memories together. I think it's just a testament to how many quality women I met while at USC because even all of our friends that we have are doing such amazing things and including you and everything you're doing at the World Health Organization is so inspiring and we need people like you to be doing this work. I remember in college, you majored in public health. Yeah, global health. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. In global health, right? Yeah. And what, like, what inspired you to even be in that space? Thank you, first of all, so much for having me on. It's of course, we're so excited. And she's coming in from Geneva. Yeah, yeah, you're you're like Switzerland. <laughs> what time is it there? It's nine p.m. But I'll do anything <laughs> oh, <wow>. for you girls. <laughs> I studied global health. What really inspired me to get into that field goes back to when I was a kid. I went to an international school growing up. So I grew up around people from different countries and I grew up appreciating and celebrating different cultures. This experience helped me to understand from a young age 
that there was a whole world outside of the small world that I was living in. Mm -hmm. And when I went off to high school, I wasn't exactly sure what kind of a career I wanted to pursue, but something really clicked for me when I took a social justice class. As soon as my eyes were opened to the inequalities in our communities and around the world, I knew that my life's work would need to be focused on trying to help reduce these inequalities. Mm -hmm. So with this interest in working cross-culturally, fighting inequality, along with my interest in health, mostly Mm -hmm. due to the fact that I was raised by two physicians. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. So global health was like the perfect intersection of all these different passions. You know, now more than ever, we understand the importance of global health. We're living Mm -hmm. in an increasingly globalized world. Viruses know no borders. So we're all connected in some way. And, you know, protecting the health of people in all corners of the globe is critical to ensuring the health of people in our close circles. Yeah, that's kind of what inspired me to go into global health. And I love it. Wow. And then you ended up at the World Health Organization. I mean, that's like really hitting the jackpot, right? <laughs> yes. that's, that's a dream. That's mm-hmm. the dream. And how long have you been working there? So I work as a consultant there and I've been with WHO for two years now, over wow. two years. Yeah. Wow. Time that's... went by really quickly. Mm-hmm. So as you were saying, this virus has no borders, no boundaries. It's been the great equalizer, really, yeah. for the whole world. And we've all totally been shut down by it. And so being at the World Health Organization and having this breakout, did you guys know it was headed towards so much of this inevitable fake news that it's caused and that has surrounded it? So COVID is the first pandemic in history where technology and social media are being used on a massive scale to keep people safe and informed. Um, But at the same time, the technology that we're relying on to keep connected and informed is amplifying the spread of misinformation. Mm -hmm. Because anybody can say anything. Exactly. Exactly. Anyone can say anything. Anyone with a smartphone or a laptop, you know, it takes them 10 minutes to pull something together and post it online. And so this jeopardizes our ability to control the pandemic. Um, And in some respects, it seems like misinformation about the virus is spreading faster than the virus itself. Yeah, I can only imagine it's so, I mean, not only are you trying to control something that a physical virus, but you're also trying to control all of these stories and even just like comments and people like everyone with social media. I mean, it's so great. It connects so many people, but also it gives so many people a voice maybe that don't need one. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know, and everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Right. But at the end of the day, opinion can't outweigh science, right? And especially when getting verified information right now is so critical. Mm -hmm. I imagine it must be hard because the nature of this virus has just, because it's so new and nobody really knows all that much, it must be hard to put out out the information as it's evolving. Mm -hmm. Right. Finding out information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So uh, we're talking about fake news and, and that's really what you're specializing in right now, right? That's like your, your mm-hmm. assignment. I don't know how it, <laughs> I don't know how it works, works over there. No, yeah, totally. I can, I can touch on that. So yeah. essentially I am working with a team called the digital solutions team. Um, and it's led by an incredible guy named Andy Patterson. And, you know, when this whole fake news kind of started to come about 
in the early stage of the, uh, stages of the pandemic, um, you know, WHO picked up on this and my colleague flew out to the Silicon Valley. He convened a round table of the tech industry, big players like Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, and, you know, other companies like Uber, Reddit, Salesforce, mm-hmm. it was like 35 companies in all. And, you know, essentially we're looking to promote health and save lives. The tech industry has the potential to touch billions of lives every day. So billions, right? Yeah, billions, exactly. So this was a great opportunity for us to join forces. So this round table of tech companies has led to incredible partnerships and communications products that have managed to reach billions of people, over 50 languages, all in an effort to spread timely, accurate health information, debunk myths around COVID. You know, I feel like I've seen, I don't know if, if TikTok was involved in this round table, <laughs> but I, I am uh, new to TikTok. And, but I have been seeing, and, and I think on Instagram too, like these little like flags, um, either at the top or the yes. bottom of the screen when things are relating to COVID and mm-hmm. it'll like link me to the World Health Organization or to like reliable sources, which I've found to be really, really helpful and awesome. And I get really excited when I see it because I'm like, okay, they're aware of what's going on and their impact, like these tech companies. Mm -hmm. I just watched, did you see the social dilemma? I haven't watched it yet. It's on my list of things to watch. You you should because it's all about how big of players these tech companies are in fake news and and how people receive different types of news based on their data and all the algorithm. It was just very mind blowing. I'm sure this is, you know, all about this. Um, But yeah, anyways, highly recommend and it's in your field. But I think what my question is, is for fake news, we, we hear about it all the time, but who is generating the fake news? Like, where does it coming where from? It and like, coming wha- from? like, what's the benefit of like making a fake news platform and then putting out fake articles? Like mm-hmm. what, what's like, who's doing that? So fake news or misinformation yeah. comes from all walks of life, you know, from high income countries to low income countries and the motivations are varied. So you can actually be a spreader of fake news, even if you have good intentions. Mm. That's what we've been worried about. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, am I I'm like, spreading am I fake news? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, these are unprecedented times and we're all looking for an answer. And, mm. you know, we get news and maybe a friend texts us some article that comes out and we feel like, oh, this is the answer I've been looking for. So you want to share it with, you know, even just with your close friends and family. At the end of the day, if it's coming from a source that's unreliable or, you know, they're quoting a source that's unreliable, you know, then it's it's fake news. And you might have had the best of intentions. At the end of the day, it's, it's doing more harm than good. So mm-hmm. it's hard to know what your role is in spreading fake news. And obviously, I think a lot of us have the best of intentions. But being aware of the fact that we are capable of spreading fake news and knowing yeah. how to prevent ourselves from doing so is really important. Mm-hmm. And you had touched on the fact that some things can be more harmful than helpful. And do you feel like social media during this particular time, has this been, from your perspective, more harmful than helpful on social media? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. In some ways, social media has felt like the glue keeping us all connected during yeah. these times. You know, I know for myself, being far from home and isolated, I've found it super comforting to see 
people around the world clapping for healthcare workers in the evening or mm. making banana bread and trying to text <laughs> Early pandemic down. stuff. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's, it's helped me feel less alone and like we're all in this together. At the same time, this technology that we're using to keep connected and informed is being used as a tool to spread misinformation. Right. You know, like we were saying, this is a very confusing time and the pandemic continues to evolve really quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's only natural that we're going to cling to any information that comes our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That That's tough because it's like, yeah, you want to connect, but in connecting, are you just like further isolating yourself into a misinformation bubble? Yeah. <laughs> right. Which can definitely happen. I know you, you touched on this uh, with like the round table, but mm-hmm. you know, what are you or how are you and the World Health Organization kind of combating fake news? What are some of these strategies and initiatives that you guys are running um, maybe alongside these tech companies or just individually? Like what what are you guys, how are you guys fighting this? So our work is to empower people to make good health decisions. Mm-hmm. And this is done by getting more health messages into more lives through more channels. We do this by meeting people where they're at. I think a good way to explain this is by thinking back to before lockdown and trying to remember your journey to work. For most people, it never changes. Mm -hmm. The same is true for people's digital journey. While we might have 30 apps on our phone, we're only really using like four. Yeah, I'm like, I use four (laughs) max. (laughs) So with this in mind, we're trying to get into the user's digital journey. So this means getting them these important health messages through the apps and the channels they're already using. And so for us, this work with the tech companies is broken down into a few parts. So first is fighting the misinformation and falsehoods by working with social media channels to remove poor information and misinformation, Mm -hmm. especially the content that's harmful to people. Right. Reducing some of these myths and rumors and then raising good quality information. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just was remembering, our listeners probably know by now, I'm in love with Post Malone. (laughs) And I feel like they did like a concert, like a digital fundraiser for the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. So is that part of your strategy as well to to integrate? Because that was like a YouTube thing. So that wasn't my work stream. That was done by other colleagues in the Department of Communications. Yeah, and that was early on in the pandemic. I remember staying up super late that night to to tune into all the different (laughs) artists. Fantastic initiative, but no, that wasn't from my team. It was from the Department of Communications. Okay. Great initiative. But yeah, it's another way to kind of, first of all, raise awareness about what the World Health Organization is doing, and Mm -hmm. then also helps to fund you guys so that you can spread the correct information. The second piece is to promote science-based messages. And one of our biggest partners on this has been Google Search. This knowledge panel that comes up when you search keywords into Google like coronavirus, and it comes up with information about the disease and the outbreak from WHO-validated sources. So in that little panel, you'll see information about symptoms and how to prevent the spread, news from credible news agencies, local health advice from the Ministry of Health, and latest numbers. No matter where you are in the world, you can type in COVID or any of those kinds of keywords, and you'll get this first panel of WHO valid sources. Um, That's so important. That's what I was saying with um, in, in the movie, The Social Dilemma, which is um, the only thing that I can reference. 
um, because I don't know anything about this. But they were saying how when you Google search, most of the time you get a, you get results based off your data and like what someone like you would want to see. But the, what you're saying is it's going to be fair across the board for everyone. They're all getting this the same um, verified. verified information, which is so important, which should be happening anyways. But uh, <laughs> not always happening, but it's so great that you guys have made sure that's happening on Google because that's where I mean, most people probably get their information from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually with, with that project, we are directing like half a million people every single day to WHO's website. Um, just with the Google ads that come up at the top of your, your, yeah. wow. the search um, bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We're directing half a million people a day to the WHO website. So this is really important that when people go looking for information that they're being directed to sources they can trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the second piece. And then the third piece, which is really fun is apps and channels. Um, and this is really a big part of my work. So we're working with companies to produce tools that will help people get the right information. And an example of this is the health alert chatbot that we've developed with WhatsApp, Viber, and Facebook Messenger. And this is what I mean about really getting into the user's digital journey. So mm. you're already on WhatsApp or Viber yeah. or Facebook Messenger, and you can chat with this bot. It's available in over 30 languages, wow. reaching millions of people directly through their messaging platforms, and you can get updated numbers, updated FAQs. We even have Mythbusters on there. So these channels are a great way to get timely, accurate health information in the hands of the people who need it most. Wow. I feel like I want to chat with the chat. I know. I was just thinking (laughs) I need to open my WhatsApp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll give you girls the number um, that you have to text. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes for for people who are um, interested in, in that because that's so helpful. And yeah, it just like you're saying, you're already on this digital journey and just like having that integrated and making it so easy to right. get the right information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which is really, really hard right now. Which brings me to my next question, <laughs> which is as a civilian, as just a normal person, what can we do? Do you have any tips for um, what we can do to help mitigate the spread of the misinformation? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, these are extraordinary times and Mm -hmm. we're all looking for answers to help us make sense of it all. It's only natural that we're going to be inclined to share new information and new developments with our friends and people in our network. It's important to do so responsibly. Whether or not you have millions of followers with a blue check next to your name, or if you have 10 followers, you are an influencer. And it's really important that at this time, especially that you are checking where your information comes from before you share it. You can trust verified information and guidance from your national public health authority, global public health institutions. And then once you find a piece of information and you say, hmm, okay, this doesn't look super trustworthy. This is probably misinformation. And it's important to flag it. You know, Corinne, you mentioned earlier this ability to report things on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. It's a great, great you know, tool that we can report basically anything that comes on those social media platforms. But sometimes this also might mean flagging it in your own personal social circles. Mm. If you have a friend who shares some questionable information in your chat group um, and you just take the time to read up on it and it turns out to be false information, then maybe try flagging it to them privately. 
you know, I think just helping keep the people around you informed that this kind of misinformation is circulating. We just need to be aware of it. And when we see it, flag it. Yeah. I love what you said that doesn't matter if you have like, you know, a million followers or even 10, like we're all influencers, Mm -hmm. which just like makes us all responsible for this news that gets out and circulates. And it does start with, there there had to be the first person who shared that piece of information, right? So Mm -hmm. like everybody plays a part in this and like, we're not too small to, to actually have an impact in this, which is really, I feel like liberating because some people are like, well, this is just like bigger than me, but Mm -hmm. it's not. Right. Everybody's involved. So what we wanted to ask you is we're, (laughs) we're talking about fake news and all of these rumors, but we wanted to see specifically kind of like rapid fire ask you, what are three fake news rumors that the World Health Organization is trying to combat or, or maybe specifically you are trying to combat? Mm-hmm. If there are three, I'm sure there are three. <laughs> I'm sure there's there are, more. Yeah, there are tons of rumors <laughs> going around and some are more harmful than others. You know, they kind of change and evolve also with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I can say the top three right now, but I think a really interesting example of a regional specific myth that cost hundreds of lives mm. with the rumor that went around in Iran early on that ingesting toxic methanol would help wow. cure COVID-19. Oh. And this ended up killing more than 700 Iranians. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's insane. And just was, like just a news article that was going around, was it being played on... Um, yeah, like do you their know local, its origins? Their local channels? Like, yeah, where does that come from? You know, from? I don't know the origins, yeah. but... It, you know, like we're saying, it's everyone is looking for an answer. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a cure. They're looking, you know, so the second they get a piece of information that they think, okay, this might be the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only human and it's natural that we would want to, you know, share it around. And this is how this kind of stuff spreads really, really quickly. There's actually a, a really interesting stat that I want to share with you guys. It's yeah, yeah. I love a stat. Love. Yeah. I think this is fascinating. So this study from MIT revealed that falsehoods are 70% more likely to get shared than accurate news. Wow. So this means that, you know, false stories are outperforming the truth on every subject. So this includes business, terrorism, war, technology, entertainment. Wow. And it's just because Yeah, no, go, sorry. And in our case, also health and science. Yeah. I mean, is, is it because it's juicier than the truth? Like, Yeah. Why? I wonder why. Yeah. Is it just that like, I guess you're saying right now we're still in the face of like figuring out what the, the, the cure is and exactly how to do it. And these, these falsehoods are saying, no, this is it. Like just do this and, and we'll be cured. And maybe it's more attractive because that's really what we want to hear. We want to hear that there's a cure and all that stuff. It's really like what we were talking about earlier, that creating content is so easy nowadays. Anyone can create a beautiful social media card or some sort of a video that's really attractive with information and share it within 10 minutes. Whereas WHO and similar public health institutions have to follow scientific protocols and get the facts and the content checked before publishing verified information. So it's a slower process. And in the meantime, that allows for a lot of other misinformation 
to just be rapid fire going all over social media and, and news outlet. I think really that's what that, where that plays in is how long it takes to develop verified content that we can trust. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably like a, a quantity situation over quality where there's just so much more fake news because mm-hmm. it's easier to, to put out than yeah. it is the truth, which we might have to wait for. But when we get it, it's the best for our physical, mental health, et cetera, the entire world. Actually, know. speaking of mental health, there has been, I think, alongside this pandemic and this quote-unquote infodemic a lot of news fatigue Mm. and this sort of like information overwhelm that makes it, I think, even harder to spread the truth. Um, Have you guys or have you personally seen any sort of like mental health effects from seeing so much of information in the news? So, I mean, I'm not a mental health expert and I don't know enough about the trends, but I can say for myself that the influx of news has felt like emotional whiplash. Mm, yeah. You know, how quickly things are evolving and new information is emerging. Our news feeds are just saturated with news about the pandemic and now racial injustices and the climate crisis. And it just feels like this never ending cycle of bad news. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, it's like one second, I feel hopeful about the future and trust that everything will be fine. <laughs> And the next second, if there's just no end in sight, gone. I know. Yeah. I I went through that too. I went through, I think, right. I mean, we're in Los Angeles. And so during the whole like racial uh, revolution, like everything that's going on, I I got to a point on top of the COVID of it all where I – I was like completely just exhausted. I can't and, do it. And I yeah. had to step away. And actually recently I just got rid of um, Twitter on my phone because it was – I could just get the news so quickly I had to turn mm-hmm. it off. So, yeah, I know I think there is this news fatigue that you were saying and mm-hmm. and this exhaustion and, and I think ups part, and downs. Part of the exhaustion too, like with Twitter, for me at least, is – I'll go on Twitter and I'm just like scrolling, scrolling, <laughs> doom scrolling as they call it. Right. And – but your brain has to try to discern what is true and what's false because mm-hmm. the information's coming so quickly. quickly. And so yeah. I think that's where you're saying before you, you know, pop off on a retweet, <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> do an initial fact check and see where did this information come from? Who's saying it? Can, is this a reliable source? Can I confidently share this as true? Right. There are seemingly less harmful rumors, things like eating garlic or mm. putting hot peppers in your soup will protect you against COVID. And, <laughs> you know, while these ones may not be as dangerous, yeah. um, you know, maybe you'll get bad breath from garlic. Yeah, um, I would do that. The, I would do that. Right. <laughs> the problem with these kinds of unproven therapies is that then people won't take the appropriate evidence-based measures to protect themselves. So right. that's why a myth like that, that seems a little silly, is worth mentioning and worth trying to bust. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because you're going to do that instead of wear your mask or something. Right. Exactly, mm-hmm. right, right, or wash your hands. And it's important that we're kind of addressing a whole range of myths. Another interesting one that's much easier to disprove, but it's, it's this one about the virus traveling on radio waves um, or five G oh, mobile networks. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this one's like again, just sounds ridiculous, but it's you know, 
These are real things. So people are, believe that one. I've heard that yeah. one before. Yeah, you know, and especially it's because it's like 5G is kind of new. What is this thing? We don't really understand it. And so, again, this is kind of like how this fake information, you know, misinformation kind of comes about. Mm-hmm. But this one, I mean, it's a little easier to disprove because, you know, how can populations that are deep in the jungle um, that don't even have 3G be getting this virus? Right, right. So They're it's like very conspiracy. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's varying degrees of severity and potential harm. Yeah. But one I wanted to bring up because I think it's really important is this misconception among people our age Mm. who think I'm young, I have no preexisting medical conditions, so I'm not at risk. Mm -hmm. And while young people may suffer the least effects of the virus, they do participate in the transmission of the virus. You know, right. so while it's incredibly frustrating not to get it, go out and do all the fun things we used to do, young people have a really important role to play in stopping the spread of the virus. And, you know, so I really call on young people. This is our moment to take action. Step up. Absolutely. Keep yourself safe, but also keep those around you safe. And this goes for, for both things, because for one, we need to be protecting our communities in terms of the virus. And because we are young and we're on social media and we are tech savvy, we need to be protecting people from um, falsehoods. So yes. double gotta, responsibility. We, up. We, are, we are so <laughs> responsible. And that, that's been my whole thing with, with COVID. Like, um, I think because I'm, I'm near my family and I see my parents, my grandparents, I'm so, so conscious of seeing people like maybe maybe a little aggressive. Like I'm pretty, I don't see anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. I see Natalie, but like she got tested yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but we're getting tested constantly, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've been really good about that. But I know a lot of people, maybe you don't have family near them, don't feel that responsibility, but even your neighbor, people at the grocery store, yeah. um, there's so many people that you could be transmitting it to. We got to do better young people. Yes, we do. <laughs> was just listening to your guys' podcast on anxiety and a mental health advocate. So you probably have ideas of resources to recommend. I think for me personally, I found it really helpful to limit the amount of time I spend on social media apps mm-hmm. um, and even making an effort now and then to literally shut my phone off and my computer off for an entire day to recharge. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. I At the beginning of um, the pandemic, I was trying to be super healthy and I was, you know, doing yoga and cooking healthy meals and drinking a lot of water. And so I bought this jar that holds a liter of water. And I told myself I would try to fill it like two, three times a day. And one morning I was laying in bed and, you know, probably scrolling through TikTok and <laughs> my phone slipped off the bed and into my water jug. Oh God. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. So I fished it out, but it was a goner. And you can imagine how difficult it is to replace a phone in the middle of lockdown. So I was oh actually God. phoneless for a few days and it was amazing. <laughs> so I, would, I need that to happen to me so bad. <laughs> I had been spending way too much time like watching TikTok videos and and it just wasn't making me feel good. And in the days I was phoneless, I read a few books and I went on walks outside and took care of things around the house that I had been neglecting. So yeah, phone detox cannot recommend enough. But I feel like you are pretty good at being off the grid sometimes. I'm always like, I don't know where (laughs) Simone is right now. (laughs) I don't even have a phone number for her. No, Actually, she I, said that the other day. We were like prepping for this episode and she's like, 
I don't like, even know. She might be in the country. She might be out of the... I don't know where this lady is. <laughs> I was like, I can't contact her. <laughs> but we did. I did contact you over Instagram. But yeah, yeah, you can always get me over Instagram. The thing is, is I might not be posting myself. Yeah. Um, and I think the time change also has, in a way, been really good for me in like reducing the amount of social media time that I spend because I wake up and for basically eight hours of my day, all of my friends are sleeping. No one's posting yes. stories and things like this. So I don't even feel the need to check my phone until later in the day when everyone's online so in a way yeah it's it's kind of great having this like really short amount of time in my day that I can then say okay this is for social connections exactly and say okay now my energy will go towards facetiming friends and you know getting on instagram and connecting and seeing what all my friends are doing back home but it's not like a whole day long oh my god well, you know what? Actually, this morning I woke up super early. The past couple of days I've been getting up super early, like five thirty-six. Wow! Oh, and I'm like, you. how? But I've been getting so much done, so I keep waking up really early. And I'm like, why am I getting so much done at the crack of dawn? And then I realized today it's because nobody can contact. <laughs> Nobody's texting me. Nobody's emailing me. I have no distractions. Yeah, it's like a little gift you can give yourself. I love that. Yes. Okay. All I need is a nine-hour time change, and I'm unstoppable. <laughs> so we're okay. moving to You're Geneva anytime. As soon as these travel bans are lifted. Yes. Oh yeah, we can't even get to. Yeah. We wanted. Yeah. We're, we're banned from other we're countries. Banned everywhere. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Simone. It's so good to see your very hydrated face yes. and your <laughs> glowing skin. Of water. And we really do appreciate you coming on here and, and speaking oh, you. on your work. And we're so grateful to you and to your team and your organization for fighting two pandemics at the same time, which mm-hmm. is this fake news and the virus that's going around and mm. being on the front lines of it. So we appreciate it. I love you. Miss you. Hopefully one day I will see you again. We'll see you in Geneva. <laughs> we'll see you in Geneva when we get there. <laughs> All right. I love you both so much. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a pleasure. And we'll, Thank we'll you. link everything in the show notes. You'll send us links to um, the information if people want yes, to see what you guys are doing and how to get the right info. Wow. So Simone is doing such amazing things. Also, her, can we just please discuss her voice? Her voice was so calming. and Like an angel. Like an angel. And the people that can't see, because, you know, this is a podcast, you couldn't see her. But we could see her on Zoom. This lady's skin. Whopping. We talked about it. A we few talked times. about it. But Jesus, I just need to reiterate. Stunning. Beautiful. <laughs> love it. So we hope you learned more about fake news, how to discern it from the facts, how to fight information overload, and what you can do to stop the spread of false information. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us at amidoingthisrightpod or email us at amidoingthisrightpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast. It really helps us grow. And also share with a friend. Share this. This, share this it. is truthful information yes, that you can share that with you a friend. you can share with a friend, and uh, that also helps us grow. So, uh, Nat, should we circle back on this uh, 
Beetlejuice. I'll quit saying mm, Battelle juice or whatever I'm saying. <laughs> Battelle. <laughs> the Beetle, the Beetlejuice rosé that we've been drinking. Yes. And we're 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 going to rate it to our hottie of the week. Oh yeah. Who is? Would you like to introduce him? Um yeah, I wish I had a good intro for him. Um uh, South African mm-hmm. hottie, super woke, hilarious, and also wants to spread good information. Wants to spread the truth. He's also mixed, which, you know. We love. I love. Uh, It's Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Yes. We are rating this Beetlejuice rosé. One, two, Trevor Noah. Noah. (laughs) Mm, Natalie's thinking. I'm taking a sip. So, as we know, I don't love rosé. I had a great time with this. But this one was great because it's, it's light. I also don't get a ton of, like, grapefruit i don't like when there's like a lot of grapefruit mm. taste in a rosé mm. kind of that bitterness mm-hmm. so what would you give very it very delightful one to trevor noah mm. i'm gonna hit it with an 8.5 whoa okay i'll, I'll meet you there with an 8.5 with an 8.5 8.5 for okay. the beetlejuice beetlejuice what is what year is this it's a 2019 rosé specifically of pinot noir grapes Ooh, and we will link this in the show notes if you want to have a sip of this yourself. Yes. So this is the time of the show where we play a little wrap-up game just to decompress. And we have a new one. We have a new one that um, when I think about makes me want to fall on the ground laughing. <laughs> You're the one that thought of it. I know. <laughs> And it is uh, riddle me this. Riddle me this. <laughs> so we we both just uh, researched riddles, it's and we're just, riddle. we're just gonna... yeah. I'm very bad at riddles. So do you want me to go? Want me to tell you my riddle first? Tell me yours first. <sighs> okay. If uh, I spend more than two minutes, you have to just no. Tell me. Not, not, I'm not even giving you two minutes. Okay. You're gonna have give me fifteen seconds. seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, I I didn't really fully write it down, so I'm just going to have to try to remember how to say it. Um, How can you leave a room with two legs and return with six legs? How can you leave a room with two legs and return with six legs? Yes. Legs. (laughs) Okay, six legs. I'm some sort of bug. I'm a bug. (laughs) I'm a lizard who can grow Final answer? What is it? Final answer? Oh, my God. I'm a bug. No, you grab a chair. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually really good. That's actually really good. There you go. I should have thought of something with like, you know, not actual legs. Wow. Okay. Okay. I don't think I'm very good at riddles either. Well, here's your riddle for me. What what months months have twenty-eight days in them? Oh no. What months have 28 days in them? I'm in February, obviously. What other ones? All the months. Damn it. Got it. She got it. That was on 101 Easy Riddles. <laughs> oh, mine was from riddles.com. <laughs> Linked in so, the show notes. Anyways, pull these out at some parties when you're trying to impress people. Yeah, yeah. These will definitely get you real yeah, far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the that's show. It. That's it. And we hope you learned a lot and we love you so much. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you.